Is the Antichrist alive today, waiting to be anointed by Satan? Does the Bible really say that he will gain control over all the world? Will he actually be killed and then raised from the dead, as the book of Revelation seems to imply? And could he possibly be a Muslim? For the answers to these and many other important questions about the Antichrist, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My co-host Nathan Jones and I have a special guest with us today. He is Jeff Kenley from Arkansas. Jeff spent two decades as a student pastor at several churches before he decided to step out in faith in the year 2000 and form a ministry called Main Things Ministries. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Arkansas and then proceeded to Dallas Theological Seminary where he earned a Master of Theology degree. He and his wife have three grown sons. And so we just want to say welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Jeff, glad Thanks, you're Tim. here. Oh, Great to be here. So good to have you on, yeah, sir. Good to so see good you on. Nathan. You're Absolutely. always a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, Main Thing Ministries, I'm intrigued by the name, Main yep. Thing. What is the main thing in the Main Thing Ministries? Well, I had a t-shirt one time that uh, when I was a youth pastor, it says, keep the main thing, the main, the main thing. thing. You know, the main thing is keep the main thing, the main thing. And what is the main thing? It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything that we do has to focus on the main thing. So when I got to naming my ministries, my first book series was called the Main Thing Series. It's all about connecting us to Jesus Christ. That's always the main thing. So how long were you a youth pastor? Uh, about 25 years, yeah. Okay, and then 20 years with Main Thing Ministries? Yeah, about 20 years. You're yeah. a lot younger looking than you should be. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's a preserved well, as we like to say. I was born at an early age. Yeah. That way. <laughs> well, folks, Jeff is a very gifted communicator, both as a speaker and as a writer, and he's the author of more than 30 books. This is the latest one, the interview or an interview with the Antichrist. And Jeff, this is a fascinating tale. You use a fictional a way of describing uh, an interaction with the Antichrist by a young man who is essentially the narrator. How did you come about to use that fictional format and then of course follow up with a conclusion that is more just you explaining some questions that might be asked about the Antichrist? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I, I think one of the things that my ministry right now is focused in on is reaching the next generation of, of Christians. And one of the ways you do that, and being a good missionary, you speak their language, you go mm. where they are. And so in writing the fiction portion, one of the things I discovered, I, all my children are millennials and their spouses as well. So one of the things we discovered was that they're reading historical fiction right now. They're reading books about World War II, which is amazing. I didn't think they were ever in, interested in that, but because it's fiction, they're into it. So I thought, oh, here's an idea. Let's take scripture, let's put it in a fictional format to sort of bait them, to get them to reading about. Wow. And so that will whet their appetite. My wife tells me that the fiction portion is sort of like breadcrumbs leading to the truth in the back of the book. Wow. You know, Tim and I have a real heart for the youth too, having yes. teenage and 20 year olds. Yes. And uh, so it seems like fiction is the new way. Uh, growing up, it was heavy academic and theology books. My father sold books and Bibles for many yeah. years. He saw in the day, it was heavy theology. Now it's right. devotional. Mm -hmm. uh, in your research, as you put this book together, uh, with 20 years and 45 in ministry. Did you learn anything new? Was there something new to learn about the Antichrist? <laughs> There's always something new to learn, okay. Nathan. Yeah, that, that's the thing I tell people is that the more you dive into the Scripture, the more you find you don't know. Okay. And so you continue learning. And when I did a study on this and began to do my research, one of the things I discovered is that there are over 100 passages in the Bible that talk about Antichrist. 
okay. which I wasn't aware there was really that many. Uh, 36 times in the book of Revelation, he's called the beast. And, uh, and the more you dive into his character, the more this sense of evil really comes out, mm -hmm. which really informed me and helped me write the fiction portion of the book and sort of flesh out his character and characteristics. Well, I'll tell you what, you captured really a picture to me in a brilliant way just in the very first page of your preface, uh, page 9 even of the preface, where you said that he will have the charisma of John F. Kennedy, the mystique of Barack Obama, and the arrogance of Alexander the Great. And we could add a whole host of other politician <laughs> figures today who uh, have a, a sense of arrogance about yes, them, but yeah. to say that he's going to be a terribly mm -hmm. charismatic, a man with mystique, and yet a person who has tremendous arrogance. I thought mm -hmm. those were great ways to communicate that idea. Yeah, and, and he's someone that's going to be groomed by Satan, if you think about it. This is Satan's uh, war, his masterpiece. Uh, it's, it's something Satan's wanted to do for, uh, since the garden, really, uh, is to embody an, an individual and to be able to personify himself, to incarnate mm -hmm. himself into a human being again, mimicking the real Christ. And so when Satan does that, obviously he has his characteristics come out. The Bible tells us he can disguise himself as an angel of light. Yes. So Satan himself is cunning, he is deceptive, he is charming, but he is the root of evil itself. So to follow up on that, if, if you say that he is sort of the culmination of this person that Satan has poured into, do you think that there is one individual or do you think there have been uh, potential Antichrist throughout history that Satan is poised and ready to bring to the fore when the moment presents itself? Yeah, that's a good question. I think Satan has probably had a candidate for Antichrist in every generation uh, because he doesn't know God's timetable. He doesn't know when the rapture is going to occur. And so he's probably been grooming several people. I think Hitler was a classic case of this. I think he probably embodied a lot of those characteristics, obviously trying to kill the Jews and things that he, that he attempted to do. So I think there's been a candidate in every generation. However, there's never been a time where all the signs begin to converge like they are in our current generation. So that tells us that Antichrist really could be on the horizon. Very true. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Well, does that mean then, and we get this question a lot, does, if the Antichrist has come today, and I think we all agree the signs of the time say we're living in that season, does he know he's going to be the Antichrist? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a great question. Scripture doesn't exactly tell us the answer to that. Okay. However, when we get to the midpoint of the tribulation, uh, uh, something happens in the personality of the Antichrist. He goes from being this, this cunning leader, this peace provider, to this devil-filled tyrant. And so there's a switch that's flipped at that midpoint of the tribulation. So if there was a time when the Antichrist would say to himself, I think I'm the Antichrist, it would definitely be that time. Well, I think that in history there are plenty of examples of people who have been perhaps motivated in a, a more positive manner, but then they, they right. became warped in their own yeah. arrogance, in yeah. their own uh, conviction. Mm -hmm. So uh, Joseph Stalin uh, mm -hmm. at one point was a, a student of theology. Mm -hmm. right. I don't think yeah. he was a master of it like you, Jeff, <laughs> but he actually studied theology. Yeah. And then, of course, as he became... Uh, consumed with power, mm. he obviously went in a very different direction yeah. and, and murdered millions and millions of people yeah. in Russia and throughout the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think people can be deluded even with their own pursuit of yes. power and ambition. And What's even the old saying? Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that yeah. might be the case for him. I, yes. yeah, I think so too. And, and think about this too, that Satan partners with the sin nature. 
I mean, Scripture says we're evil enough as we are. The heart is deceitfully uh, wicked above all things who can know it, Jeremiah 17, 9. But you think about with the Antichrist, Satan is going to actually embody this person. He's going to enter into this person. There's only been two people in history that Scripture says that uh, that's true of. One is Judas Iscariot mm -hmm. and the other is the Antichrist. So I believe that he is going to completely control him, completely possess him. Whether or not he knows he's the Antichrist, we don't really know. But that partnership with that sin nature, I think, is enough to get him where he needs wow, to be. Wow, that's a good point. Well, you said something about flipping a switch, and mm. it seems there was an event that happened that flipped the switch for the Antichrist, and that was, it appears he's murdered mm -hmm. and then resurrected from yeah. the dead. Do you, how did you take in your book here, Interview with the Antichrist, what position did you take, and what is the other positions about that interpretation? Yeah. Well, in the book, uh, it's told from the perspective of a young Belgian journalist na named Julian. And he, through a series of events, gets invited to be the official biographer of this newly elected leader of the, of the known world and this European alliance thing. And so going behind the scenes, it's told from his perspective. So obviously in the book, he believes that the Antichrist has been killed legitimately and is truly raised from the dead. In fact, I have the Antichrist figure here talking about what he experienced on the other side mm. and what he, he uh, embodied during that time. And then as he comes back, he's really a new person. He's reborn, if you will. Um, there's basically two, two uh, theological positions on this. One is that uh, the Antichrist is not really killed, but it's a, it's a huge ruse. It's a deception. And, uh, and therefore, his resurrection to life is also a deception. Uh, scripture does say that uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 3, that uh, the, or chapter 2 rather, that the Antichrist will have supernatural signs and wonders uh, that he will perform. And we see that in, also in Revelation 13. Uh, those same two Greek words are the same words describing the miracles of Christ as well. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, you see at the very least, these miracles are going to be as convincing as the miracles that God Himself wow. did. So from that sense, the deluding influence is going to come upon the world. In that sense, you could say whether, the, whether it's a real resurrection or not, people are going to believe that it's a real resurrection. And maybe that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. People believe in their deluded minds. Right. And so you really don't answer that question completely. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah. But as far as the perception and the belief, yes. and today we have people that believe in all sorts of things right. that are clearly not true, yeah. but in their minds, they are real yeah. and true. And so that's, yeah, that's kind a great of what point, matters. Tim. And, and you think about this, in the generation that we're living in right now, it takes so much to wow people. I mean, we're not impressed with anything in our generation. We hold in our hands a device that has more technology than the whole NASA space program, the Apollo space right. program, right? But so it takes a lot. So apparently this resurrection is going to, or this supposed resurrection is going to be so convincing that billions in the world are going to bow before this person to take his mark and to declare themselves to be allegiant to the Antichrist. I like how in the book you, you took it that he heard a voice from the other side and the voice got louder and louder over time. And it, it yeah. very much parallels demon possession. You yeah. hear people who start dabbling in the occult right. and witchcraft, they start hearing a voice and soon the voice is dominating and then it's taken over their thoughts yeah. and eventually it takes over them. Yeah, I have a point in the book where he says, now I don't really know which is the voice and which is me. So now it's, I've become one, basically, with this other entity, this other force that out, that's outside. That's so very, very dangerous. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's fascinating to think that this person can be alive today, obviously poised to step in uh, if opportunity presents itself. We obviously believe that as the Lord brings about the rapture, mm -hmm. then the world condition will descend into chaos. Right. 
Uh, I like to say, for instance, in our own country, there are Christians scattered in every sphere. There's Christians in the military, yep. as your son was. There's right. Christians in academia and business, mm -hmm. uh, in government. There's even Christians in most churches. <laughs> and when the rapture occurs, yeah. the world will descend into chaos. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2020 will look like child's play compared to the economic yeah. depression and, and destruction. And out of this calamity, one individual stepped forward to say, I can fix this. I have a solution, right. just unite behind me. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's what current world leaders are calling for. They're calling for, for a, a centralized government, a, a great global reset. Uh, we've had everybody from John Kerry to uh, former prime ministers uh, of England calling for this thing. And of course, there has to be a leader. There has to be one person to, to bring that. And if right now, if one person stepped forward and brought peace and calm to this world, who cured COVID, did all this thing, I guarantee you the entire world would follow this person. Oh, so we know it's Bill Gates then. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, I doubt that. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, we're going to take a brief break. And when we return, we're going to continue this conversation about whether the Antichrist could be around today, who it could possibly be, and whether he would be a Muslim, as well as other important questions. Stay tuned. We want to invite you to attend the Ozark Mountain Prophecy Conference to be held in the beautiful Ozark Mountains in Branson, Missouri on Thursday through Sunday, April 15th through the 18th. The featured speakers will be Jeff Kinley, Todd Hampson, Billy Crone, Gary Stearman, and Dave Reagan. Each speaker will be talking about how Bible prophecy relates to national and international events today. The conference will include five meals, two special events, and a praise and worship service. The two special events are attendance at the spectacular Sight and Sound production of Jesus and a visit to the Dogwood Canyon Nature Park. Additionally, there will be several opportunities to meet the speakers personally and interact with them with questions and answers. Detailed information can be found at the conference website at OzarkMountainProphecySummit.com or you can call 888-470-1879. Welcome back to our interview of Jeff Kinley, the prolific author of a new book titled Interview with the Antichrist, His Hour Has Come. Hey, Jeff, let's pick up where Tim left us. Uh, we know the origins of the Antichrist. He rises out of Europe, but he has religious background as well. And it seems like uh, Joel Richardson and Walid Shabbat and others have made a big case for the Antichrist being a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the Antichrist will be a Muslim or what religion does he come from? Yeah. Well, I think one of the ways that people arrive at that conclusion is the, 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 the Muslim Messiah is called the Mahdi. And this Mahdi has similarities with our Antichrist. He rides a white horse. He reigns for seven years. He kills Jews. He has a headquarters in Jerusalem for a while, that type of thing. Um, but really, our, our information, our best information is from the Scripture, not from the, the Muslim Scriptures, so to speak, not from the Koran. Right. And when we examine that, we see that he rises out of the sea of humanity, as you said. But the thing, the problem that I have with a, a Muslim antichrist is that he does things that I don't see a Muslim doing. Uh, I don't see a Muslim allowing the Jews to rebuild their temple on, a, on the third most holy Muslim site, Islamic site. Yeah. I don't see that. I uh, also don't see uh, them making a peace treaty with Israel, uh, which is something Muslims don't typically do. But the greatest thing I don't see a Muslim do is claiming to be greater than Allah. Of course. Which they is yeah. claiming to be God. Yeah, claiming to be God, They'd which be he, killed, clearly, right? yeah, he clearly do does. So for those reasons, I don't really see him as being uh, a Muslim. So uh, that tells me he's probably then a Gentile. And so that's kind of where I land. 
Well, what is this religion that is, he worships the gods of fortresses? Does mm -hmm. that mean he's like a warmonger? Yeah, yeah. In, in Daniel 11, it talks about that he, he basically uh, he has no desire for women, uh, and, and so people said, well, could he be a homosexual? Uh, but the very next phrase really explains that. But he honors a god of fortresses. I think this it speaks to the fact that the Antichrist is pursuant of power. Uh, he wants control. That's his ultimate deal. That's his end game, which is, is Satan's end game as well. He wants power and control over the world. And so really, I think he just doesn't have time for a relationship, but that he's pursuing control and from military might, really from the very beginning, uh, he's developing this huge military force, which at the end is going to be at his disposal. So I think that means that he just really pursues the power and that power has to come through enforcement through the military. I think clearly there have been individuals in the past and history who had a similar kind yeah. of motivation. They were so focused on power that relationships and even mm -hmm. romantic relationships mm -hmm. were not uh, yeah. at, at the forefront. So Hitler right. had a girlfriend, mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, he was so fixated on right. power and expanding his empire yeah. that that was not on his list of priorities. And I would agree Absolutely. with you. I would submit uh, the Muslims uh, today will claim that Jerusalem is key in their mm -hmm. ideology, but it's not actually even referenced in the yeah. Quran by name. Mm -hmm. And so even the idea mm -hmm. of the Mahdi, they borrowed many elements yeah. of, oh, yeah. of 600 Christian. 600 years later, the yeah. Muhammad. Right. So they borrowed many elements of even the Mahdi itself from Christianity yeah. in a confused manner. Mm -hmm. So I would dismiss that mm -hmm. claim as well. I agree with Nathan that this would be a Gentile person. Mm -hmm. And the, the faith, if you will, of the fathers, he, he just doesn't have much time for that because right. he is so focused on power. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that, that you address is clearly his mm. fixation, his obsession mm. with the Jewish people in the mm. second half of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. How does that come about? And I think we've already kind of touched on it, but explain how the Antichrist turns from signing a peace treaty with the Jews to right. wanting to obliterate them altogether. Yeah. Well, again, it's all a part of Satan, uh, Satan's great deception, the satanic deception. In Revelation 12, we have the, the uh, a second or really a third coup on heaven. Really, it's the last coup that Satan attempts on heaven. The Bible tells us that, that Michael and the archangels cast them down to the earth. And during that time, it says the devil becomes enraged with a great wrath. And, and this particular phrase, the way it's, it's poised, is never mentioned any other time. So basically what happens is Satan realizes, and then it says, the very next phrase says, because he realizes his time is short. So now he realizes that the clock is ticking. One of the dichotomies that we see about Satan and about the Antichrist is that they both have to know they can't win this thing, mm -hmm. but they still believe they can. I mean, even at the very end when he's gathered on the battlefield of Armageddon, he's there because he believes he's going to win. And, uh, and the Bible says the whole world will see Christ come back, Revelation 1-7. I think perhaps Satan and the Antichrist could be behind broadcasting that thing because they think they want the world to see how they're going to defeat him. Wow. But to answer your question more pointedly, Tim, is that he launches three attacks on the Jewish people in the rest of Revelation chapter 12. He goes after them. I call it the, the midpoint massacre because it happens at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, you consider that Satan knows that from the Jews came the Messiah. That obviously is a huge crawl yeah. uh, to him. But also uh, the Jews wrote the scripture. But in the end for the Antichrist and through Satan, he understands that if there are no Jews left to call upon the Messiah to save them, the Messiah will not return at the second coming, meaning I can continue to rule the world in perpetuity. 
And so if he can kill the Jews, he can prevent, theoretically speaking, of course, Jesus Christ from returning. Well, and I think there's one other rationale that in his deluded mm -hmm. mind he would pursue, and that is to hearken all the way back to the beginning mm -hmm. to prove God a liar. Yeah. If there are no Jews, for God to keep his promises right. too, to look for them to look mm -hmm. upon him and for him to bring salvation yeah. to the yeah. Jewish people, then God would be proven a liar. And That's I think right. Satan has always endeavored yes. to prove God a liar, or at least convince people that God yes. is a liar. God is not a liar. He honors every promise yeah. to the Jewish people and to mm -hmm. us. And so Satan himself is the father of lies. That's right. Yeah, John 8, 44. And he says in, in Genesis, that's the first thing he did was question yes. the integrity of the Word of God. Exactly right. And I think that's what he's been doing ever since then. He's doing it today. And it seems like Satan always follows the same strategy. You can hear satanic music today like the Humbling River, which talks about everybody mm. gathering. Mm. We can overcome this if we gather. We see at the end of yeah. the tribulation, Armageddon, he gathers all the people, not right. just the armies of the world together. Right. The end of the millennial kingdom. He gathers yes. all in rebellion. And he right. thinks that if he can create a mm -hmm. big enough army, yeah. he can overthrow God. And God wins every time, but mm -hmm. Satan seems so deluded thinking yeah. yes, that the strategy, and he yeah. uses the same strategy yeah. again and again. Yeah, it's it's the epitome of self-delusion. I mean, Satan yeah. is the poster child for that. And <laughs> I think when, when we get into the Antichrist, he's the human element for that, for that self-delusion. And, and think about it, the, the essence of deception is that you don't know you're being deceived. So if you are, if you believe this and you're being deceived, you don't know that that's really happening. That's well, what's happening with Antichrist. It is. And Hitler, back to that example, yeah. at the very end of his reign over Germany as the whole nation's falling mm. apart around him, mm. is trying to command different units in places that didn't, no longer existed. Right. And so even yes. his, his top lieutenants knew that he was mm -hmm. completely over the edge delusional. Mm. Uh, well, we want to touch on a few things, but one of the elements that you brought up was the Antichrist being located in Babylon. Mm -hmm. So without getting off on that tangent too long, yeah. why would you suggest Babylon is being the place of his headquarters? I know Revelation talks about mm -hmm. Babylon, but what are some of the other options that you found in your study? Yeah, well, there's, there's basically two, uh, two you know, views on this. So one is that it's in Babylon, one that it's in Rome type of thing. They're the two big, big, the big ones there. Um, but a couple of things, uh, Babylon has always been kind of the seed, the hotbed of rebellion against God ever, ever since Genesis 11 with Nimrod. There, uh, it's mentioned over 300 times in the scripture, hmm. uh, almost every time except for maybe one, it's a literal city. Uh, when we get to the book of Revelation, it's mentioned uh, 44 times out of, 200, uh, out of 404 verses. So 11% of the book of Revelation mentions uh, Babylon. Uh, and then also, you know, people talk about, well, it, it could be symbolic. And, and that's possible as well. Uh, but Babylon is strategically located uh, at a point with the Euphrates River, which is very strategic in the book of Revelation. Uh, it's also going to be a place uh, where demons are released during that time as well. So those are some reasons. And then also just some practical reasons. There are great uh, oil, vast oil reserves in the area. Uh, it's a great place where, where countries really come together. Uh, so that really could be, if you take it from a literal standpoint, uh, it could be Babylon. Some people think, well, it might be Rome and tying in the Roman church and that type of thing. So there's debate on the issue. Uh, but what I did in the book, actually, with the fiction part, guys, I started with him being in Rome, and I ended up in <laughs> yes, Babylon. And, I thought, yeah, you, <laughs> and you put the religious center in Jerusalem, yes. which is a lot of arguments yeah. is the third option. So yes. you kind of covered so all your bases. So you kind of split the baby there, I Yeah, would just say, a little Jeff. bit that there. That was a good, good part <laughs> of place. Make everybody happy. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, we're not going to fixate on that, but one of the things that a lot of people question today mm -hmm. is... Uh, the concern over the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we get questions almost every day. Yeah, you know, yes, if I absolutely. take the COVID vaccine, right. is that the mark of the beast? And, right. and are we in the tribulation? Mm -hmm. So address those two questions kind of as yeah. a combined. Yeah, I think it's very important for Christians to 
Look at what the Bible actually says. Uh, a lot of rumor, a lot of speculation, a lot of white noise. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the mark of the beast is going to be an actual mark on the hand, on the forehead. Yes. And it's not going to happen until the midpoint of the tribulation period. So if we're in the tribulation and the, and the vaccine is the mark of the beast, we're in the middle of the tribulation, not just the tribulation. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be a vaccine. It's going to be an actual mark, right. the Greek word karagma there. Um, we're not in the tribulation period. Why? Because the Antichrist has not signed a peace treaty uh, with Israel. Uh, he has not been revealed. And, and we're not seeing the things that we begin to see in Revelation chapter 6 with the, the wars and the plagues and that type of thing. Uh, certainly there are foreshocks. There are previews. Mm -hmm. uh, we're hearing almost the melody of Revelation being played in the background music yeah. right now. Uh, but we're not actually in it. When we get in it, if you're in it and you know you're in it, you've been left behind. Because wow. I don't believe Christians are going to be a part of that time period. Well, there's two ways to avoid the tribulation. One for believers and one for unbelievers, yeah. right? Yes. What is the way for believers? Yeah. Well, the way for believers is the rapture of the church. Okay. Uh, Jesus promised to come back and rescue us from the wrath that is to come. And the context of that passage is speaking of the day of the Lord in the end time. So I believe Jesus is going to rapture His bride, come back just as He promised in John chapter 14 so that we can be with Him forever. For unbelievers, very important that they call upon the name of the Lord right now. Right while now. they're listening to these words, while there's any inclination about they might want to do that at some time, the Bible says now is the day of salvation because the longer we harden our hearts, the more hardened our hearts gets and, we, and the darker our minds become. Well, obviously we know that the, the fate of the Antichrist mm -hmm. is that he is destroyed and that all who have aligned with him are also destroyed. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Nathan mentioned earlier was the way that people today sometimes are dabbling with demonic forces. Mm -hmm. and, and you had a very beautiful way to communicate that mm -hmm. at the very end of your book. I won't give away that poignant ending, but mm -hmm. it, it concerns me that many today are allowing themselves to be drawn into satanic influences, right. uh, dabbling with demons, yeah. and if they are self-deluded, as the Antichrist himself will be, mm -hmm. they may miss this opportunity. What would you say to that? Well, I totally agree, and, and part of that that self-delusion right now we're seeing uh, in in America, we're seeing across the world, is Satan appeals to self. He always appeals to self, and what can make us feel more self-fulfilled, self-happy type of thing. And even in religious circles, this is happening. But the more we go down that path, the more we pursue anything other than what the Scripture says about Jesus Christ and about what He offers us, then the Bible says that God basically just turns the lights down. Mm. Uh, Romans chapter 1 is a great uh, evidence of that. It says that if we suppress the truth that we know to be true about God, God then hardens our hearts. We begin to speculate. In other words, we're like blind people walking in the dark. And, and we, are, we are here today to turn on the light. Amen. So we'll be right back with a final word. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Jeff, how can folks get in touch with you and pick up this excellent book? Go to jeffkinley.com and you can pick up my book anywhere books are sold, Amazon or any Christian distributor. Very good. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I certainly hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, that you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb & Lion Ministries, saying Godspeed. Where will the Antichrist come from? Will he be a Jew or a Gentile? Dr. David Reagan's book, The Man of Lawlessness, The Antichrist and the Tribulation, answers these and other questions, such as, could he be a Muslim? Is he alive today? Will he be killed and resurrected? Where will his headquarters be located? Will he actually control the whole world? Will he be possessed by Satan? And will Christians have to face him? 
Dr. Reagan discusses these compelling topics and even enlists 22 Bible prophecy experts to give their unique perspectives on them. You will not want to miss this opportunity to survey the career of the Antichrist during the coming tribulation. Get your copy of The Man of Lawlessness, The Antichrist and the Tribulation. Call the number you see on the screen, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name. Or go to our website at lamblion.com. It is available for a gift of $20 or more. As a bonus, we will send you a complimentary copy of Dr. Reagan's DVD, Wars of the End Times. Ask for offer 938. Both the book and the video can be yours for a gift of $20 or more. Again, place your order by calling the number you see on the screen or by accessing our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.